0: I hope you've enjoyed the service today. I hope you felt the presence of God. I would normally have you stand for the reading of the Word of God, but you've been standing a lot today, so I'm going to let you stay seated. And I just want to get into today's sermon. We are in the middle of a series that we're doing throughout the entire summer. We started it at the end of, or at the beginning of May, and we're going all the way through the end of July, going verse by verse through the Book of Second Corinthians. Doing a little bit of Bible study here in the summer. Is that okay with everybody? Y'all come to church to go to to Bible school real quick, but we're going to dig into this and we're just taking our time. We're not getting in any rush. And last week, Pastor John broke down chapter three. And so today I'm going into chapter four and just when you open your Bibles, stay in chapter four. If you want to use the app, you can use the app. You can send the text and you can see the, the notes that are available for you there if you like digital notes or if you're like me and you can't read your own handwriting, that's fine too. But we're going into this because there is a strong biblical theme that we find throughout the book of 2 Corinthians. The book of 2 Corinthians needs to be read in conjunction with 1 Corinthians where, where Paul as a, as a parent begins to parent or pastor the church. He's dealing with some spiritual immaturity. He's dealing with some some idolatry. He's dealing with some pride. And he gets very parental in his first letter. And in the second letter, he comes in bringing a ministry of reconciliation. In fact, if you need a theme for that second book, you you just stay in that second book. And it's it's a book that is all about being reconciled, not only with God, but being reconciled with each other. And so the ministry of reconciliation that we receive from God is also something that we have a responsibility to share with somebody else. So this is the theme of of what this book is all about. This is where we're going. And today, pardon my voice, I I have way too much fun worshiping Jesus and I lose my voice just about every Sunday. So you're going to hear gravel today. Is that all right? Y'all going to preach with me? That's not how you preach with a preacher losing his voice. Y'all going to preach with me? There we go, second Corinthians, chapter four, verses one and two. therefore, since God, in His mercy, has given us this new way, what is the new way that He's talking about? He's talking about what is covered in chapter three, the New Covenant. We never give up because we have this new way of approaching God, we never give up. Look at your neighbor and say, "Never give up. Never give up. no. Yo, you got to encourage people. Like, never give up. Like, you already gave up. Like, what's up? Look, like, if, if that's the way you encourage somebody, look back at them and say, hey never, hey, never give up. That's awesome. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. Isn't it interesting that in in reading this passage of Scripture through the context of modern Christianity and modern society, tricking people into believing in God is kind of the theme, right? Like, if I could become like you to convince you that you don't have to change when you come to Jesus, then you'll accept the message. Like, that's that whole That whole idea of relativism, like I'm going to make the gospel relative to you. No, that's the wrong way to do it. We don't have to trick people with the good news. Here's the deal. You're going to come in contact with a real and living God. He's going to bump up against your sin. And when he bumps up against your sin, he's going to knock on the door of your life and say, can I come in? And when you let him in, he's going to begin to radically change you from the inside out. Well, maybe if I get the outside looking good, everything will be okay. No, no, don't get the cart before the horse. That will happen. Let him do his work on the inside, and then everything that comes out will be godly, and it won't be manipulation. Amen. <laughs> I already done going to preaching and meddling, so let me get right into this. Today's sermon is simply titled Jars. Talking about some jars The new way that Paul is talking about is this new covenant. So what is the new covenant? There's a a whole idea of what the new covenant is and what it's not. But basically, you can sum it up like this. The new covenant provides salvation to everyone. The new covenant is firmly based on the foundation of the old covenant. Which we see in the Old Testament. The Old Covenant was there. It was very ceremonial. Very symbolic. And, and here's a, the, the misnomer that happens. is So many people believe. That because it's in the Old Testament. It has no relevance in our day and age today. Right? Like it's the Old Testament. I can let it go. No, that's no, hogwash. You need the foundation of the Old Testament. Because everything in that Old Covenant. Points directly to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the culmination. Jesus is the only Savior that will ever be. He is the only Savior who can do it. And the old covenant points directly to the new covenant. And let let me just give you this truth at the beginning. The new covenant mandates that we share what we've received. The new covenant mandates that we share what we've received. Salvation is not a gift to be treasured. I know that bumps people, it bumps us in, in our religious comfort. But salvation is not to be hoarded. It's not to be put up on the shelf to display to people. Salvation is not about drawing attention to yourself. When you receive the amazing free gift of salvation, God sets you on fire with his Holy Spirit. He sets you ablaze, puts you into a dark world, and is wanting you to shine what you've received into the darkness, not to draw attention to yourself, but to show the world that is lost and dying there is a way out of this salvation, that new covenant comes with the mandate to share what we've received amen, y'all gonna preach with me today every now and then give me a good Baptist nod or just a good gospel and I'll know we're having church, amen so what is the new covenant? there's a lot of confusion and that's that's intentional let's drop down to verses 3 and 4 if the good news that we preach is hidden behind a veil. If the, if the message that I'm bringing to you today comes with some confusion in front of it, it's hidden behind a veil. It's only hidden from those who are perishing. What, what he's saying here is this. You're going to share the good news with some people and some people are going to go, that's exactly what I was looking for. And other people are going to go, I don't need none of that. Do we get offended? No. Buy them a Coke and walk off. I didn't say buy them Coke. I said buy them a Coke. What were you thinking? Sharing is caring. <laughs> don't try to force feed somebody that's not receiving it. It's like trying to give me turnips. What? Pack up, bro. If you don't have bacon and chocolate somewhere involved, I don't need it. That's what I run on. You're trying to force feed something. You need this. I don't want it, but you need it anyway. We're wasting our time. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to share the good news with somebody and they're going to go, wow. Because remember this. Nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. Sometimes we're flinging the line out to people and God's like, I ain't even touching them yet. We're just wasting our time. That veil of confusion is there. There's people that are not ready to receive and in the moment they're not ready to receive, they're perishing. Let me break this down for you. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. I don't believe that. Okay? You have to understand that that's not your choice. Your mind has been blinded by the one who is trying to keep you from receiving everything that God designed for you. So what do we do in these moments? I'm supposed to share the good news. When you bump up against somebody that's not ready to receive, you say, hey, I love you. Call me if you need me. You go over here and you pray for him, God. That veil of confusion needs to be eradicated. God, you you are the giver of all life and you know exactly what's going on. So in the name of Jesus, by the power that was completed on the cross, by the power of the blood of the Lamb, I plead the blood over my friend. Take some authority. You don't have to do that in their face. Take some authority when they're no way around because they may think you're a weirdo. Don't let your good be evil spoken of, but that's a whole other sermon. Let's dig into this. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. Here's what the veil of confusion actually is. And this is intentional by the devil. The enemy doesn't care if you come to church. Fine. The enemy doesn't even care if you come and worship doesn't mean anything. He doesn't care if you return your tithe. He doesn't care if you do all the things that living for God is all about. He does not care. It does not bother him one bit as long as you don't realize two things, who Jesus is and who you are because of Jesus. Because if he can convince you that Jesus is just one among many, he's removed all the power from who Jesus actually is. If he can convince you that Jesus is nothing more than a religious figure from some ancient time gone by, oh oh, that that dude, he died. He's not he's not real. Because if we don't know who Jesus is, nothing that we're doing today even matters. But when you know that Jesus Christ is the one who stepped out on the rim of heaven and spoke the worlds into existence. When you begin to understand that Jesus Christ is the one who breathed life into you. The one who lived and died and resurrected for your power. When you see that Jesus is... You stop seeing him as just some good guy that did some good things, the illegitimate son of a Jewish carpenter, when you stop seeing him that way, as maybe a historical figure, when you stop seeing him that way and you see him as the fullness, the exact likeness of God himself, because he is God. When you see him for who he really is and then you begin to let the light of his holiness shine into your life. You begin to see yourself how he sees you. And in this moment you no longer look at your weaknesses. In this moment, you no longer fixate on your addictions. You no longer fixate on the things that draw you into into sin. You begin to see, hey, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm a victor. I'm an overcomer. I'm a child of God. I have been bought and paid for by the one and true living God. So the enemy comes in and drops a veil of confusion. Don't know who Jesus is. Don't know. We get all confused. We start praying to God and then we go pray to Jesus like stop. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Come boldly before the throne and and make your petition known to your God. He lived like you. He knows what you're going through. Come boldly and say I bring myself to you. Watch what he'll do. Praise God. Jesus is exactly God. The invisible one who always has been, always will be said, I can't interact with my creation in my spirit form. So I will robe myself in flesh and I will live among them. When you look at Jesus, he is the physicality of the invisible. He is the exact likeness of God. Let's dig into this. Because of this, the good news that we preach isn't about us. I know that you're not telling me yet, but I know that I'm probably just offended about a lot of you. Because we wear our Christianity on our wrist, on our bumper sticker, on our Facebook post of our Bible opened up at just the right angle with our coffee cup and the smoke coming off of it. (laughs) Three posts before was a dancing cat. Cats don't dance. And now, oh, I'm Christian. The good news is not about us. It's about Jesus. And when you understand that what you're supposed to shine is Jesus and not yourself, you're supposed to shine Jesus, not your religion. You're supposed to shine Jesus, not your church. Hey, I love this church. This is my favorite church I've ever been a part of. Y'all are awesome. But the good news isn't about you. It's not about me. The good news is about Jesus because I've never saved anybody. Neither have the, any of the rest of us. But when we understand who he is, the good news comes alive. Let's drop down to verse 5. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are, the, are your servants for Jesus' sake. Let me break this down. Okay. He's, he's talking about himself and the other men and women of God that preach to the early church. But because of the way that he's putting it, we can take this and apply it in a context in our life. Well, I'm not a preacher. That's okay. I'm not asking you to stand up on the stage. Although the vents are closer to me and I'm a whole lot cooler than you are. Sorry. Not everyone is called to preach in a pulpit. But everyone who receives salvation receives a divine mandate to share the salvation they've received. And it starts first with the people that you are in relationship with. So, so many people like to tell stories about themselves. For some people, reaching the lost is about inviting the lost to come to church with you. And you've got to understand, bringing someone to church does not save them. Especially if Jesus is not here waiting on them when they get here. Man, why do we spend so much time in worship? Because I want the atmosphere filled with the Holy Ghost like nobody's business. And I want someone to know that when they walk in the door, there's something more than just church. There were people here all day yesterday walking through this room praying. I came back around 9.30 at night. I was like, whoa, God, you up in the house. We get this atmosphere primed. But just getting someone here is not enough. So don't preach your church. Don't preach your denomination. Don't preach your religious background. Oh, I just, oh, sorry. I'll get off your toes for a second. Preach Jesus. Because our heritage doesn't mean anything without Jesus. Let me give it to you like this. Shine Jesus, not your religion. Say it, woman. Shine Jesus, not your opinions about him. Man, I got some ideas about Jesus. Don't go to the Word. What does the Word say? Well, this is what my grandma said. I'm sure your grandma was awesome, but what does the Word say? Yo, I, I come from an awesome heritage. On both sides of my family, on mom and dad's side, I'm fifth generation Pentecostal preacher. All right? That's why I get a little crazy when I'm preaching. I didn't really have much choice in this matter. Like, I wanted to be a lawyer, Dad went, No. I said, Okay. But as awesome as my mom and dad are, and they are amazing Christians, probably the greatest Christians I've ever met in my life. This heritage that was passed down to me from grandparents and great grandparents and uncles and aunts and and just family just all up involved in the ministry. I've got an amazing heritage, but it means nothing if I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Doesn't matter what you have had in the past. It doesn't matter what your family did in the past it doesn't matter what you've experienced three or four years ago what are you experiencing now and I had an encounter with God when I was 13 great what did he do last week we got to get up out of our past we got to get up out of our ideas we got to stop trying to put God in boxes someone asked me the other day pastor are you a reformed theologist no well why well first off it's not biblical first off Secondly, why am I going to get caught up in somebody's ideas about God instead of going straight to the God himself? What, what, what is your theology? I don't have one. Wait. I thought you were a pastor. I am. Well, what's your theology? I don't have one. How do you not have a th- Here's the reason I don't have a theology. Theology is an idea about God. It's not God, and God doesn't ordain theology. I don't want my opinions to cloud the glory of the one who can save you. I'm not going to preach religion. I'm not going to preach theology. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. So why are you talking about this? Because it's so easy for us to shine all these other things. We're a word church. We're a worship church. We're a gospel church. Man, we're a tree hugger church. We recycle. We don't recycle. We're loud. We're quiet. We do house Who gives a flying rat's toenail? You didn't know where I was going. It's time to let go of all of these human trappings and just say, Jesus, you're God. That's enough for me. What do you want to do in my life? What do you want me to do in the world that I live in? Praise God. Look at verse 6. Look at your neighbor while you're going to verse 6 and say, man, it's good today. Look back and say, I know. How awesome is this? Verse 6. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know, everybody say no, the glory of God. That is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So the same God that said let there be light. Takes the light that is an extension of himself. Places it into your heart. So that you can know. That word means be intimate with. It doesn't mean have information. It means be intimate with. And last I check. We got a few short folks. so I'll clean it up here. Y'all know what intimacy means? You ain't holding hands when you're being intimate, right? If you ain't married, don't get intimate yet. It ain't time. Don't, don't awaken love too soon. Don't make me pastor up in here today. <laughs> but when you get intimate, you go beyond the surface, right? What, what Paul is teaching here is you need to get intimate with the glory of God. So what does glory mean? Let me break this down for you. Glory is the, is the word kabod. Everybody say kabod. The word kabod simply means this. The weight of the character of God. You're going to get intimate Because the light has shined in your heart pulling you into a place of intimacy and when you come into this place of intimacy the light that started this whole thing is going to shine into you and then the weight of who I am is going to rest in you and you're going to become intimate in this moment. So what is the deal with this weight? Y'all, you got to understand this. It's not just a name. It's not just an idea. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. This is not just Jesus. This is the name of God himself. And when you begin to speak the name of God into your circumstances, the weight of who he is begins to rest on you. you got to understand, it's heavy. It's heavy, y'all. Do you even lift? That was bad. I'm very sorry. Forgive me, the jokes will be worse next week. <clears throat> But the weight of who God is, is resting on you in this moment. Weight is heavy, right? Weight is not something that just easily moves around. Weight is heavy because without pain there can be no gain, right? you got to work it to get it, right? So the weight of who God is, the, the responsibility of the name of Jesus rests on you when the light shines in your heart. So what is the responsibility of the name of Jesus? I receive, i got to share. Oh, who can I share with right now? I received amazing grace. i got to shine amazing grace. There's the responsibility, but there's also the weight of, oh my God, I'm carrying God. This is the glory. Glory is not something you say. My grandpa used to say that. Glory. That's not what that means. <laughs> glory is the weight of who God is. And here's the deal. Let me, let me take it to another level. You're not supposed to carry this weight by yourself. He never designed you to carry the weight of who he is by yourself. That's why he places the lonely in families. He says, I don't want you to do life by yourself. I don't even want you to do ministry by yourself. I want you to, I got a personal relationship with God. I got my own thing going. Great. You ain't doing nothing for God. But when you link up with another brother or another sister, Danny, I need you in my life. Here's the reason I need you in my life. Because I can't carry the weight of God by myself. So I need you to help me. And we're going to link up and we're going to come over here and we're going to get Ray. And Ray's awake today, so that's awesome. So we're going to get Ray. Ray knows I can tease him. He gave me permission. So Danny and Ray and I are going to get together. We're going to come over here and we'll say, hey, Todd, you, you do that. I can't even say it. You do all that fancy stuff. You seem healthy. We need some help, right? Tyler, are you going to help us carry the weight? Erica? You're going to help us? If Tyler's coming, you can come. You can bring your kids. It'll be awesome. We're not supposed to do this by ourselves. But the reason that the gospel doesn't get shared is A, we're shining religion in our ideas, and B, we're trying to do it by ourselves. You need to be connected with other people who believe in Jesus who are following the same pathway that you're following because the weight of who God is will crush you if you try to carry it by yourself. And when you receive the good news, you receive the weight of who God is, the weight of the knowledge of Jesus and the weight of the responsibility to share Him. This good this morning? You feel like you're getting something? Let's drop down to verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So so what is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. We carry the good news in jars of clay. So you were wondering up to this point, like, why is the sermon titled jars? Here's the reason why. Paul is is using these clay jars as an example to demonstrate a much deeper God truth. You see, back in the first century when they would make jars, they would take clay from that, that region And they would get it wet, and they'd put it on the potter's wheel, and they would form a jar, and they would get it all ready, do the whole thing. And then they would begin to cure it, but they didn't have the technology to have a a kiln the way that we do nowadays. So most of their curing or most of their perfecting would be on an open fire. And I don't know if you've ever cooked on an open fire, but it's not even temperature, right? you got to have to move it around because there's hot spots. And so the way that they would balance the heat is they would like get it like a flash heat and then they would put it out into the sun to get it a little bit more balanced. But that's not even a perfect way to cure something. So as a result, not only because of the makeup of the clay itself, but also because of the way that it was cured, it was extremely porous. Put it in language we can understand. Whatever went in it, Came out of it. I don't know if he caught it. If you put water in it. This time tomorrow. You're going to need to put some more water in it. Because the water is coming out. If you put oil in it. Oil may take a little bit longer. Because it's a little thicker than water. Right? But it's coming out. What Paul is saying here is a couple things. and You've got to hear this. Stop trying to be perfect. You'll never get there. Perfection in human terms is a fantasy. And God never asks you to be perfect. In fact, he looks at you as a clay jar filled with imperfections, porous. Whatever I put in them is going to come out. Right? But that's not a bad thing. It's an awesome thing. Because what Paul is telling them is this. Get filled with the light. Get filled with everything that Jesus... Get filled with the weight of who God is. Just get all like filled to the brim. And then just go out and start leaking. Some of you are like, I cannot believe you said that. You knew me. You knew I was going to say it. Don't hold on to what he's put in you, but it's my treasure. The treasure is not just for you. The treasure is for you to share it. That's why God makes you imperfect. But what what about my what about my addictions? God can work with that. Stop leaning in and start trusting, and He can work with it. As long as you hide it, he can't work with hidden sin. But when you expose it by repenting, he's got you. What, What about my misunderstanding? Doesn't matter. Those imperfections make it easier for my treasure to get out because my treasure is truth. And here's the deal. We try to hang on to the treasure. We try to protect the treasure. And we're not supposed to. We're just supposed to carry it to work. Leak it out. Go back. Get some more treasure. Go over here to our favorite watering hole and drop it here. Go back. Get some more treasure. Go over here to our Bible study. Go over here to our small group. Go over to where our family is. Just start spreading and shining Jesus everywhere. Get filled up on Sunday, get filled up in your small group, and then go back out into your life and let out what is in you. No, it's my salvation. He didn't give it to you for you to hoard it, He gave it to you for you to share it. Y'all with me this morning? Is this good? Our lives are jars of clay. Our lives are jars of clay. We're not the treasure. Oh, I'm God's favorite. No, you're not. You're one among many. He knows everything about you, but you're not God's treasure. What He places in you is the treasure. You're nothing but the vessel. What does it take for me to be the vessel of God? A pulse. I thought I needed seminary. Please don't. Cemeteries are for dead people. But, but I thought I needed to go through this. No. Are you, are you alive? Are you breathing? You're, you're a vessel he could use. You just got to make yourself available. He's just waiting on you to say... Here I am with all of my junk. Can you use me? Y'all, that's actually the highest form of worship. And when you say that, he says, that's what I was waiting on. He said, but, but I got to have it right. Okay, you think you got to have it right. Let's go to the word of God. How many of God's people that he used to do great things were perfect? Okay, there was Peter. He denied Jesus three times. Tried to kill a dude while Jesus was getting arrested. Told Jesus, no, you're not going to go die. Tried to stop the move of God. Yet even in his imperfection, even in cursing the day that Jesus was born, God said, I want you to preach the inaugural sermon of my church that we read about in Acts chapter 2. He wasn't perfect. What about Jeremiah? He was a (laughs) crybaby. What about Jonah? He had issues. Walked away from God's call on his life. And then even after God put him through that ordeal for three days in the belly of a fish that God created. Spits him out. Jonah goes and preaches and the people respond. And then Jonah gets mad that they responded. Well, oh, surely Matthew is perfect. Wrote the first book of the New Testament. He was perfect. No, he was not perfect. You see, Matthew was a publican, not a Republican. Relax. And not a Democrat either. So y'all relax too. He was independent. Now, anyway. He was a publican. Here's what this meant he was a tax collector. Nobody on either side of that likes tax collectors, right? But tax collecting was not just, hey, you got to pay your sales tax or your income tax. No, here's what it was. They would rob from the people they were collecting the taxes from. So a publican was a thief. But he was a Hebrew boy that was collecting taxes and stealing money for the Roman government. Living way below his call. Living like a pagan. And Jesus walks by and says, yo, Matt, you and me. And Matthew is so moved by this call. He was like, well, if I'm going to follow you, you got to at least come to my house for dinner. Right? When the preacher calls you to do something, you're supposed to invite him over for dinner. I'm just saying. (laughs) Hint, hint. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Jesus goes over to Matthew's house for dinner. And Matthew was living like a pagan. So the party that he invited Jesus to was not like a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. There would have been things going on that would have embarrassed every one of us in this room. There would have been people doing things on the table that they should have been doing behind the marriage door in the bedroom. Man, that's kind of brutal, Monty. It's true. Matthew was not a perfect person. And Jesus gathers the other Hebrew boys and they walk into this place. He's like, eyes on me, guys. Eyes on me. Matthew, that's what you have been. But I've got something greater for you. And is it any mistake That when you read Matthew's gospel, Matthew is the first of the gospel writers to openly declare that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who always has been and the one who always will be. Matthew displays Jesus as God himself. But he wasn't perfect. So stop thinking you've got to be perfect to be useful for God. You just have to be available. Pastor, this is going to hurt. Great. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Hey, he knows that you're going to go through trouble, right? We're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. There you go. But we're not destroyed. Here's the deal. you got to get this. You're not destroyed by the troubles in your life. The things that you're going through, the mess, the hell, the life that is happening to you cannot destroy you if you've received Jesus Christ. Here's how I know it. Because the one you receive placed the treasure in you and he would not place the treasure in you if life was going to destroy you. Oh, you gotta hear that. Y'all didn't get that near as good as that really was. I'm preaching way better than y'all are responding. We gotta have a class on that. He put the treasure in you knowing that you were gonna go through troubles, but also knowing that the troubles would never be able to destroy you as long as you held the treasure. What is he saying? Just keep reminding yourself who I am. Keep receiving the weight and then say troubles bring it because you can't knock me down. You can mess with me but you can't destroy me because I'm carrying a precious cargo. I don't care what life throws at you. I don't care how overwhelmed or how burnt out you feel when you are filled with the identity of who your God is. And when you begin to understand who he designed you to be, nothing in the devil's arsenal can destroy you. Why do I have to suffer? Because the more that you suffer, the more that you begin to realize, I'm going through this because Jesus trusts me with this. I can't do it on my own, but he trusts me with this. So, hey, i got to get some more treasure. That's why I go to church on Sunday, and I drink from the fountain. I get lost in worship. That's why we turn the lights out so you can let your freak flag fly. Just do your thing. Just get so filled with Jesus and let God do something in your life, and then step back out. Step back out into the world. Don't hang on to it. Step back out into the world. Step back out into the world and shine Jesus. The world we live in is dark. The world we live in is on its way to hell. It needs you to shine. Jesus. Let me give you this in closing. Don't ever give up. Look at your neighbor and say, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Even when it feels like you need to, don't ever give up because though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever so we don't look at the troubles we can see now rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things that we see now will soon be gone but the things that we can't see are going to last eternally God I see you in my spirit I see you today come on bring it troubles whatever you want to do my god has me i'm carrying the treasure come on let's stand our feet and clap our hands